Hello, you're listening to Bite-Sized Medicine, a podcast where the episodes are bite-sized in length and the medicine is about food. My name is Kelsey. I'm Sarah. And I'm Katie. We are medical and dietetic students from The Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. Our goal is to make evidence-based nutrition counseling easier for busy healthcare providers and students. These discussions are our own and are not endorsed by any organization or university, and they are not intended to be used in place of medical advice. Let's get started. This episode, we will review the pathophysiology of diabetes and then run through the key evidence and recommendations for dietary counseling in this population. Diabetes in a nutshell is a problem accessing and utilizing glucose in the blood, either due to insulin resistance or insulin deficiency. Long-term exposure to elevated blood glucose damages blood vessels and nerves, resulting in cardiovascular disease, kidney disease, neuropathy, and retinopathy. Therefore, the treatment goal is to maintain consistent blood sugars within a target range that decreases the risk of these complications. Considering that consumption of carbohydrates is a major source of glucose in the blood, diet is a vital component of appropriate diabetes management. Of note, the American Diabetes Association and the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics recommend referring all patients with diabetes to a dietitian for medical nutrition therapy at initial diagnosis. This involves a nutrition assessment and establishing a dietary plan for the patient going forward. So, going through the research, ultimately, no specific diet has been shown to be most beneficial for diabetic patients. Recommendations insist that the diet should be tailored to patient preferences. Remember, even beyond diabetes, the most effective diet is one that the patient will follow. That being said, there are recommendations that can be made. First, for overweight or obese individuals, there has been a proven benefit for weight loss. For these patients, losing 10% of body weight has been shown to decrease A1C levels by 0.3 to 2% and also improve quality of life. For any patient trying to lose weight, the safest and most sustainable method is to aim for a 500 calorie deficit per day, amounting to one pound of weight loss per week. Keep in mind that if the patient is already at an appropriate weight, there is no benefit to weight loss and it should not be recommended. Now let's focus on carbohydrates, the big deal in diabetes. Interestingly, there is no consistent evidence on the effect of low-carb versus low-fat diets with respect to A1C and insulin levels, independent of weight loss, meaning that simply avoiding carbs isn't necessarily the solution to diabetes. So maybe we should start by better understanding dietary carbs. They are categorized into three types, fiber, complex carbs, and simple sugars. Typically, any given food can, and likely does, contain all types in different proportions. Let's start with fiber. Fiber is not absorbed, it provides no energy, no calories, and no glucose. Therefore, it cannot increase blood sugar. When it comes to differentiating soluble versus insoluble fiber, just think about what happens to the food when it soaks in water. Soluble fibers swell and become mushy, while insoluble fibers maintain their integrity and just get wet. Oats in water get mushy. Broccoli in water gets wet. Soluble fibers like oatmeal can be particularly beneficial for controlling blood sugar because the mush they form with water in the intestines slows the absorption of other nutrients such as sugars. Because of this slowed absorption of sugar, the consumption of fiber helps prevent those dangerous postprandial blood glucose spikes. 
Fiber is found in whole grains, beans, fruits, and vegetables. Next, complex carbs are polysaccharides that require some breakdown in order to access the sugars in the form of glucose. This means that the blood sugar will rise, but it takes time. Complex carbs are found in foods such as whole grains, legumes, and sweet potatoes. Finally, simple sugars are ready to be absorbed directly from ingestion, and these cause rapid spikes in blood sugar. These are found in refined grains, table sugar, fruits, honey, and any other natural sweetener. I have a question, guys. What is a refined grain? Refined means that the bran and the germ of the grain, which contain protein, fiber, and fat, have both been removed, leaving only the simple sugars. These are the white variety of breads, rices, and pastas. Ah, got it. We also have to be careful about reading labels of these products because even when packaging says wheat, it does not automatically mean it is whole wheat or grain. The key is actually the word whole, because the white varieties also originally come from wheat. Ingredient lists will specifically say whole wheat if it is not refined. Okay, let's go through an example of understanding carbs using apples. Apples have simple sugars inside in the form of fructose, common to many fruits, but the outer skin is fibrous and tough. Because they are packaged together in the apple, the fiber helps to slow the absorption of the simple sugars inside. Fruit consumption is actually a common question in terms of its effect on blood sugar due to their fructose content. As demonstrated by this example, fruits often come naturally packaged with fiber that helps prevent dangerous glucose spikes that occur with other sweets. Remember, not all fruits are the same and things like watermelon tend to have more simple sugars relative to fiber, but in general this is true. In my opinion, this makes them safer for patients with diabetes, especially for those patients with a sweet tooth. I would rather the patient have an apple when craving something sweet than a candy bar. That being said, remind patients that carbohydrates are a healthy and necessary part of their diets. Avoid making any food the enemy. Remember that there are no good or bad foods and try to remind your patients that they can still incorporate their favorite foods into their diet. Another thing to touch on is carb counting. This is a common thought for patients with diabetes, but can be difficult to do. Consider selecting appropriate patients and likely leave this to a dietitian. The most appropriate patients for whom to consider carb counting will be patients on insulin because the effectiveness of mealtime dosing depends on carb consumption. So this is a time to use carb counting and insulin carb ratios. If the patient has difficulty or is not interested, encourage consistent carb consumption in order to maintain reliable insulin dosing. While doing this counseling, ensure that the patient understands which foods contain carbohydrates. In addition, updated recommendations suggest avoiding the use of glycemic index or load, so we won't talk about that here. So do other macronutrients play a role? Fats and proteins do not have any known direct influence on blood glucose control, but can play a role in other ways. For example, it is important to focus on cardiovascular protection because of the increased risk of heart, de heart disease for these patients. We focus more on cardiovascular protection in our cholesterol podcast, so those recommendations can be applied similarly here. Briefly, recommend decreasing saturated fats, sodium, and sugar from things like butter, red meats, processed foods, and sweetened drinks. Increase unsaturated fats, such, such as vegetable oils, nuts, and avocado. 
More information on diabetes nutrition counseling is available through the American Diabetes Association. They have a brand new food and fitness section on their website. It's super awesome. They will also have evidence-based handouts as well. You can always ask a dietitian too for any of their handouts. Great. So let's apply all of this to real food examples. Yay! For patients that eat a lot of refined grains, transition to whole wheat breads and pastas. Try cutting back the portion size of grains in general and replace with extra vegetables. Their eventual goal can be eating half of their grains as whole grains throughout the day. To increase fiber, add vegetables to dishes they already eat. For example, add bell peppers or mushrooms to pasta sauce, steamed broccoli to meals with rice, or spinach in smoothies. Incorporating beans will also boost fiber, for example, adding black beans into tacos, lentils in rice, or kidney beans in soups or chilies. Note that doing this with the beans will also increase the amount of carbohydrates in a meal. People who carb count should be aware of this. For a sweet tooth, try pairing sources of simple sugar with fiber, such as jellies, jams, or peanut butter on whole grain toast, whole fruits for snacks, or try oatmeal with raisins, fresh fruit, or peanut butter for breakfast. Remember that there is no food that is off limits for people with diabetes. The only foods recommended by the American Diabetes Association to be limited are sugar-sweetened beverages, but these can be incorporated into a healthy diet for all individuals. Alrighty, so what are the takeaway points for counseling a patient with diabetes? Suggest weight loss only for patients who are overweight or obese. The main focus is on carbohydrates. Fiber from whole grains, beans, and vegetables help stabilize blood sugar and prevent dangerous spikes. Complex carbohydrates from whole grains and legumes raise blood sugar, but more slowly than simple sugars, such as sweetened beverages or desserts. Carb counting can be helpful for patients who are on insulin and feel up to the challenge. Also, use online tools and handouts to educate about portion sizes and always encourage physical activity. Lastly, as always, consult a dietitian. Thanks for listening. And be sure to check out the episode notes for more information, including our references and additional resources. We'd like to acknowledge the professors and lecturers on these topics at The Ohio State University College of Medicine and our media and technical specialist, Phil Wachowiak. We would also like to thank our audio editor, Roy Gowdy, and recognize the Innovation Studio at The Ohio State College of Nursing for their support. That's today's taste of bite-sized medicine.